Ho, we buzzing today. Thanks for tuning into Nectar, the podcast for the Raw Honey platform. For my artists, entrepreneurs, and dreamers, we will process through the raw street codes of healing to evolve into our sweetest, most successful selves. In each episode, we'll be buzzing about boundaries, healthy hustling, self-activation, and other topics that liberate us from social expectation and step into self-affirmation. I'm your host, April B. You ready to pollinate? All right, everyone, what's up? We are back for yet again another episode of the Nectar Podcast. I am your host, Dr. April B. Um, just happy to join you here on this lovely, it's finally getting cold outside day. That means we're about to step into the holidays. I hope that everyone is doing okay with the holidays. Um, you know, really figuring out how to take care of yourself, set boundaries, keep your health in the way that you want to. So make sure that you're just thinking about those things, you know, in this time, because sometimes holidays can bring up some crazy things for us. I know it can for me. Um, as I said before, we are in the season of focusing on the Breathe Project on our podcast. What is the Breathe Project? If you've been listening, you're going to hear the spill a million times, which you're going to hear it one more time. So the Breathe Project focuses on um, amplifying the expression of the experiences of Black men within America and providing a space that gives them context to what they've been through, who they are, um, the decisions they make, the behaviors, attitudes, all of that. Um, and so it's actually started with a photography exhibit, which is now in a gallery um, down here in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so if you're in the Dallas area, you can't miss out on this um, solo exhibition. It is on Saturday, December 12th, 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. There are um, four 45-minute slots that you can go to, so make sure that you Sign up quicker so you can pick the spot that you want to come in. We got a dope, dope, dope violinist that's going to be performing. We have an f- incredible poet that's going to be performing. We have some amazing sponsors. So Berkshire Farms is going to be sponsoring us. Bottles of wine, Black-owned winery in the area, and a Black-owned water company is going to be sponsoring this as well. So you want to make sure that you're supporting the culture supporting the upliftment and enrichment of black men, supporting the further education in this community about black men. This is what we're all about. Um, And so that's why we're kind of focusing on that in this season. You know, we've talked about criminal justice. We've talked about black men in the workplace. We've talked about just literally everything. We've talked about how women can help support black men. Um, We've talked about real life stories of men coming through who they are, going to therapy, confronting their narratives and changing to who they're designed to be. I mean, just all kind of dope things. And so, of course, today, something that's really a hot topic in the Black community, especially for Black men, um, something that sometimes the media portrays in a negative light, not even sometimes, very often media portrays in a negative light is Black fatherhood. Um, I think there are just a lot of misconceptions of Black fatherhood and, um, 
I have two incredibly dope, literally amazing people here to kind of break down what they're doing in the communities, their respective communities, and even communities across the nation to really <clears throat> bring a lot of positive light to Black men um, and Black fathers across the nation and in their communities. So, as always, I let people introduce themselves. So, y'all tell me who we are. Uh, what's up? I'm Lamar Johnson, one of the co-founders at Dear Fathers, um, the premier media platform for, for Black fatherhood. Um, yep. <laughs> Okay. Hey, and are you a black father? I am. That's the, too. That's a, okay. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, my name is Joshua Johnson. I am the founder of an organization called Dope Dad. Um, we have a mission to highlight, encourage, and inspire positive relationships and interactions between uh, fathers and their children. So, um, different ways which we do that, but I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit later on. Awesome. Ugh. And I'm like not trying to hype it or gas it a little bit further than what it needs to, but these two platforms are doing incredible work, you know, and really touching people, just, you know, scrolling through and seeing um, just positive representation of Black fatherhood. And, you know, this hits home for me, for people that know me of like, I was raised by my dad, a Black father. And so seeing positive representation in media finally of what I got to see growing up. It's just nice to see that. And I'm just, just grateful and humble to even be in the network of two great that are making sure black fatherhood is amplified in the way that it should be. Um, so both of you can talk about it or one of you want to talk about it. Tell me what, what was your story that kind of led you to start doing this? Um, doing this work of amplifying positive black fatherhood? Uh, well, um, so me and uh, our other co-founder, Jesse, we, um, like, we just grew up together and we just realized that um, just growing up that, you know, not having a father was, um, it really got to us, but we didn't really recognize it until we were older. And um, so, you know, we just wanted to kind of create something so in the beginning we decided to create a, a father's forum where you know uh kids um younger kids or even older or whatever who just didn't have fathers uh, in the household and just had like basic questions from like you know um you know should they shave before interview or wear a tie or just it, just basic questions that you may just pick up on just from like knowing your dad or just having them around to some capacity. So we just wanted to create a forum and uh, we launched, uh, we, we decided to just like create a Instagram page for it. Um, but we were going to like create something online and we had a website. And so as we, we created it, all our ideas just start to kind of like come together and they were just flowing in so much. And um, it just started to like expand from there as we saw that we can do different things with it. And, um, we saw that there wasn't any media platform out there for um, fathers or just black fathers for sure, but we, we realized the space that we can kind of fit into. Um, and we just, we've been on the road uh, just growing since then. So that's how we kind of got to where we are. Um, but yeah, we, um, so we're like a year, a year in now. So we just had our anniversary in September. Happy belated anniversary. I mean, I, I told y'all, the day of, yeah, you know, when y'all made the post, but just sure. remind y'all, man, because that's awesome. Right. Um, it, man. Dope Dad, uh, I, I started this um, 
kind of, I guess, the, the opposite way. Um, I have a, a five-year-old daughter, Corey, and we used to be out and about all the time. You know, obviously, this was pre-coronavirus and all that good thing. We used to do everything, go everywhere, everywhere I went. You know, she was right there with me. Um, and we used to get a lot of, lot of positive feedback on, you know, our interactions or whatever, our relationship with each other. Um, and it would be the things that were every day for us. So going to the park, going to the store, whatever daddy's doing, you know, it was just normal to me because it's, it's every day. Um, but again, a lot of people were taking notice to it. And um, one person in particular, she's like, man, you know, I just love your relationship. It's so dope. And I, it was, it was that day that kind of woke me up like, wow, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing anything special, but for whatever reason, a lot of people are, um, you know, giving this feedback. And I'm like, it's not just me that, that does this. I'm like, I'm not some super dad, you know, I, maybe to my daughter I am, but to me, this mm -hmm. is all normal. And it's, it's so many other fathers doing things like this. So um, kind of like Lamar said, I, I first started with like, you know, just sharing images of other dads and, you know, interacting with their kids in whatever way. And then I kind of um, expanded to kind of, you know, I knew a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. So uh, like Lamar said, I knew people who didn't have interactions with their or relationships with their kids, or they didn't have those relationships with their fathers. And um, I worked in a juvenile facility. So I worked with a lot of kids who didn't have interactions with their dads. So I knew that it was people who had those relationships and that was great. And we wanted to strengthen those. I knew that it was mm -hmm. people who wanted to create those relationships. So we wanted to help you know, create spaces to, to, um, I guess, foster those relationships. And I knew that it was some people who, um, for whatever reason, may not have had those relationships, but wanted them. And I wanted to, to help to kind of bring those people back to, um, those family members of, you know, whatever sort. So trying to, you know, like I say, just bring fatherhood together as a whole for the people who already got it together, the people who are trying to get it together, the people trying to figure it out. So, um, we kind of expanded in that way and we started doing events, um, again, to create the the space for those relationships, really foster those things. Wow, that's it's just beautiful how like y'all got sparked by something and you just get to work. You know, like all right, we see that yeah. this is a lack here or this is something that's really needed, and I'm gonna use my experiences and what I've seen and what I know and make that happen, create for others. You know, that's that's super commendable for sure. Um, yeah. Why do you think? this is so uniquely important to have specifically with black fatherhood. And if you want to kind of touch on this, have people said, well, Hey, what about whole fatherhood or what about motherhood? You know, why is black fatherhood such an important thing to really hone in and focus on? Um, I feel like, um, I mean, well, first and foremost, we felt like it was so important to, to get on because um, we did realize, I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood where I didn't realize that not having a dad was like not normal. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody in the neighborhood, just, nobody had their biological fathers in their household. So um, it just looked like the normal thing. And so as I got older, like I said, and I became a dad and um, I talked to my friends about it and they're just like, nah, my dad, whatever. Um, it just became a, like I, it, it was so normal that they weren't there that it just started to seem kind of like weird to even question why. I don't know, but it just made us at that point, it just let me know that we needed to do something about it or, you know, to try to um, show that, hey, you know, things are changing. Um, 
and I think most importantly, what we're realizing or, or the thing that I want more people to know is that like moms are, you know, they're, they're very important, obviously, but I think the dad is equally as important. And sometimes uh, people just feel like, you know, if they have a mom, they're good, you know, it's good to go. So I think it's super important to just kind of showcase that dads are active and that, that they uh, want to be in their kid's life. And so that's why we kind of felt the need to kind of promote that uh, on our end to kind of just, because uh, again, I think I think it helps too when we promote um, black fatherhood and kind of show up and coming dads or people that aren't dads yet that kind of inspires them, you know, before they are dads. They're like, yeah, like that does look cool. Like I can't wait. Like I can't wait to be a dad now uh, and do dad things with my kids. So those are the reasons why we do what we do. Def, definitely great points. Um, I think that one of the biggest reasons, and this is probably for, for both platforms, um, like Lamar and, well, Dear Fathers itself, like you said, it wasn't other uh, media platforms around like that. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of the narratives about Black fatherhood are controlled by the mainstream media. And right. we don't have very much influence on that. You know, it's, yep. it's what we see on the news, what we see in the newspapers or, you know, even whatever they control within our social media feeds. So um, to have an organization like Dear Fathers come along where it's like, OK, well, we're going to control what media we put out there. And, um, right. you know, even with, with Dope Dad, you know, we not we don't have a, a huge social media presence, but we do try to, you know, create those positive images, those images for people to see like, hey, everything that you see on the media isn't necessarily, you know, the, the truth about what black fatherhood is. Um, yeah. Also, like you said, a lot of people do come up like, Oh, what about, what about dope mom? What about, and I'm like, you know, if you're a dope mom, absolutely. I love it. That's great. If you're a great mom, I love it. If you have a whole family, absolutely. Whatever your family structure looks like, that's great. But as you said, my, my focus personally is fatherhood. I can't speak to, to motherhood. I can't speak to yeah. any of those other things. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. And exactly. I, I want to help strengthen other fathers and I know how to do that. I, I, I do my best to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Another big thing that push was I realized that with so many things in our lives in the, in the black community, a lot of times we handle things by ourselves. We do everything by ourselves. We think that we have to bear this weight by ourselves. So I really wanted dope dad to help to kind of create a network of dads who could interact with each other, work with each other um, to kind of help strengthen themselves but also the larger group so um like you said if there's a a new dad if he has a question there's other dads he can ask versus just having to figure it out on him, himself and you know i'm i'm all about trial and error and all those things but sometimes it's just so much easier to have somebody else you can talk to connect to um right in my yeah in my experience i noticed like a lot of dads were um not making the best decisions and it was based off of um, not knowing other options or things that they were being fed by other people who didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really want to connect you to somebody else who's had the same experience and they can kind of share their experience to kind of help give you other alternatives and options. So that was a big push for Dope Dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it too, um, I just want to add as far as when people ask, you know, hey, what about like all dads or Latina dads or whatever? And um, yeah, we're not against, black dads or anything like that i mean other dads besides black dads um we all for it but the, the thing that we kind of you know respond with is hey you know you can create it if that's what you want right um 
this is something that's near and dear to us um, as black men and black dads. Uh, so yeah, we are. We can only go as we can. Like you said, we can only give as much information about things that we know. Like you know, we could do research and try to figure out what it's like to be a, a white dad or any other <laughs> dad. But you know, we don't know that. We don't know that firsthand. So um, that's why we. You know, that that's kind of our response to people who ask, like, what about you know, dear moms and dear mothers or whatever they may want to ask. Right, and that that makes sense. You know, I think. I think we do need spaces, you know, while inclusivity is always important, I think we do need spaces of like specifics of like, okay, what is this specific Mm -hmm. black fatherhood experience? Like what makes black fatherhood so unique um, compared to, and that doesn't mean it makes it better. It doesn't mean it makes it more important. It's just, this is us, you know, like that. This is our story. This is our experiences. Let me connect you to people who have similar experiences based on similar tracks and things like that. So um, I think that's, again, it's great work to um, be at the forefront of making sure, you know, on a media perspective that you're literally beating out algorithms of like when people are looking up black dads, we're seeing your stuff. You know, we're not seeing mugshots. We're not seeing the court cases you know we we will see some some of those still but what we're going to also see is your pictures and say wait a minute oh dads are cool black dads are awesome wow black dads are present and you know and seeing Mm -hmm. you in the community i mean i see so many pictures of community pictures with you josh and just and that that warms my heart of like i can literally walk in a store and see a dope dad you know and i i think even just so i mean for people to know like i am a journalist for dear fathers and ever since doing the breathe project and just doing fatherhood work period and all this stuff it makes me more cognizant of seeing you know i saw a black dad yesterday reading to his son on the park bench and i was just like i just stopped and said thank you you know for being you i like what is wrong with this woman but it's it warmed my heart you know to remind me this is not uncommon this is not even close to uncommon um there are so many fathers like you guys said that want to be present in their children's life but they also feel like they don't have tools and so i want to talk about that you know when whether it's when you became a father or just the stories that you hear of other people becoming a father it's a black man what were some of those tools that you realized uh i gotta run to the store and get that not really but metaphorically of like oh snap this is a tool that i need as a black dad that maybe i could kind of like duct tape it when i was younger as i was winging it but here in fatherhood i had to cultivate that in order to be a good father uh i don't know shoot probably everything that i know uh, i mean the, the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing really is and I'll touch on it a lot is um, that not having a dad in the house um, or any male figure in the house, like we really, we're really not equipped. I have a younger sister. And so the fact that I do have two daughters um, I always go back to the fact that I've never seen. Um, first off, I don't know what it's like to have a dad, um, see a dad raise a male. I don't have any male, any sons, but um, I, and two, I don't, I didn't see a dad or a man raising uh, a girl. Um, and my sister. So for me, I just, I'm always like, I just don't know what it really looks like to be a dad unless it's like from, you know, the TV shows we watch, Family Matters, the um, smart guy and Wayne, like all these things we grew up on. Um, but at some point midway through my uh, adulthood, I guess I'm still in that, but in my 20s, I was like, you know, those were actors, right? So 
I can't really be basing my life around what they were doing on TV and, and get paid to say. Um, so it really started to hit me. So then that's when I started to kind of like ask around uh, family and uh, closest friends or even uh, closest male figures um, just to kind of see like, you know, uh, what do you do? Like, how do you save money for your kids' future, right? Um, and so I'm just asking my uh, past basketball coaches to, um, my friends who, you know, who have better relationships or relationships with their dads, like what, what did they do for you guys? How did they set you up for the future? You know, um, did they help you with your homework? Just all these questions that I really never would just, I would just have these tools with me if just by seeing it on a day to day, if my dad was home or in, in the house, but I didn't. So, um, I, like I said, I feel like I had to kind of reach out and try to figure out you know, from somewhere for every single thing that I know how to be a dad, I had to pull resources, whether I did. I, I And even at that, to that point, I, I did. I pulled things from um, sister, sister. I, and I pulled things from TV because I had no choice. Right. Um, and so that's kind of where how it was for me, with my tools. at least. I would say that was like utilizing a, a phone to reach out to all those, you know, that network that you had, um, which is awesome. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would say if I were to make up a metaphorically a, a tool, I would say probably a real good number two pencil, the kind with the, the real good erasers, mm-hmm. um, because I had to erase a lot of the the mindsets or thoughts or processes mm-hmm. that that I had in my head and yeah. had to erase them, especially, like I said, I have, I have a a daughter. I have a black daughter that I'm raising in in this world, and there's so many things that have already been stacked up against her. But as we progress, there, you know, certain things are being removed. So I have to prepare her, you know, almost daily, like for different things that she may encounter, um, and also thinking, forecasting into the future. Uh, so I really have to think about like, what am I teaching her today, and how will this affect her in the future? And it's the same for for, for boys as well. Um, like, what are we teaching them? today and how will it affect them in the future um Mm -hmm. i think that also with that pencil there was a lot of things that like i would think i figured out you know i write it down okay this is how this is what you do when this happens and then the next time it happened i'd be like you know what that's 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 probably not the best way to do that let me (laughs) let me erase that and we'll try it again a different way so um you know kind of learning like i say mistakes happen and it's kind of trial and error with a lot of things. <clears throat> Obviously, you have to be careful that uh, the consequences aren't too heavy of your of your choices, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's no just blueprint. Like Lamar said, you know, you you gain little experiences and you get knowledge from so many different places, from the people who are immediately in your life to, to even fictional characters. Like he said, TV shows, you can learn things from there. So, like I said, getting that notepad, that pencil writing down stuff, realizing, flipping back some pages to even before my daughter was here and like, you know what? Yeah, I got to get that mindset out of here. That's not, that's not going to fly yeah. being a father, you know, so mm-hmm. I said that would be, that would be my tool. Wow, that's deep. That's And I love that metaphor because what I hear you saying is as a father, you can always edit, you know, like you're, th- that thing that you're doing, I think we always hear like, I permanently damaged my child. And I think giving yourself permission to go back and, you know, and sitting down with that notebook with you and saying, Hey, you remember I wrote this down here? I was wrong. You know, let, let's erase that out together. Let's talk about what, what do you think? What do you think I should write down? What should we write down together? 
to figure that out or or be like, you know, where I wrote this here. It's actually because yeah. nine pages ago, <laughs> I have this here, you know? And so I think that's, that's just so, I think that's a perfect metaphor of saying like, you have space to make mistakes. There is an eraser. It is a pencil. Hey, it may leave some marks. You know, you may see your erase marks, but at the end of the day, like I see your final answer. Um, and so that's, yeah. that's really, that's really important to say, <clears throat> want to say something more? Yeah, I think, I mean, and to just kind of add on to that eraser and a uh, pencil analogy, I think um, unlearning kind of goes perfect with that because <clears throat> what I thought a dad was, um, and things are changing, right? I mean, we're 30 plus, and um, so just the way that they were raising kids back in the 80s and 90s, we have to adjust uh, on the time. Um, I mean, even with April, I mean, we've we have this ongoing conversation about a uh, woman and female and just using that word. And so I'm just unlearning, like learn behaviors. And um, so I think we're as a dad, like it's the same thing, what we thought it was versus what it really is. Um, so I think one with the what I'm also hearing from you both is a ton of humility. You know, like mm-hmm. I think it takes humility to say, oh my gosh, I was taught the wrong thing. Like, and you know what? I want to do the right thing. So I'm going to change it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get prideful and be like, well, that's what I did. So that's just what I'm going to do. That's what, you know, that's what was done to me mentality. I hear that humility in you of, okay, dang it. (laughs) That's, that's not, no, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm humble enough and I love my child enough um, I'm, I'm invested in them enough. I'm like getting teary eyed. I'm invested in them <laughs> enough that I want them to be successful, maybe more mentally, emotionally, whatever it is set up than I was. And I'm willing to figure out what it is that's going to make that happen. You know? And I think that again, that that's a, that's a space that I think, you know, not just to plug the Breathe Project again, but this is why we're here. That's a space to mm-hmm. cultivate why we should allow Black men to make mistakes, um, allow mm-hmm. Black men to be edited and to edit. Because if we tell Black men you should have it right the first time and we automatically take the child away as soon as they mess up, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to want to even try anymore because they're like, dang, I, shoot, I only had a rock and a stick. I know I needed a screwdriver and a number two pencil, but I literally only had a rock and a stick. Like, can you give me a second to find the the number two pencil and the hammer, you know? And so um, yeah. I think that's so important to, you know, not just within you as black men, but us as a community to give space and to, I, I've heard in the interviews I've done, I've heard so many people say the big, there's a huge gap in between like, what what is before us? I don't y'all in my age. Y'all y'all millennials, I can't remember. Y'all don't be telling my age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't remember how old y'all are, but I think y'all are millennials. But right before millennials, is that Gen X? Yes. Yeah. So the the Gen X raising slash baby boomers, because that's my dad, um, raising mm-hmm. kids to how millennials are doing it. And I guess the Gen Z's have kids. Um, <laughs> how that goes. Yeah. It's a little different because there's more emotional things in there. You know, the there was it was more of a job to raise yeah. back in the olden days, and a more of a gender thing that this is what dad should do. Versus now, it's like a little holistic approach, and especially y'all have girls. I can right. imagine and you're oh. like, oh, 
there's a there's a little more emotional component that has to show up that maybe didn't show up in those previous generations. Do you feel like that's that's true? Yeah, I think low key. Um, just thinking about it when you were talking, it's like I do feel like a little bit more pressure um, to like raise like a black woman or black women um, for the simple fact that I mean uh, the narrative of black fatherhood is already like technically tarnished in a sense. Mm-hmm. So I do feel pressure to just, you know, raise and um, bring up, you know, stronger black people. Um, because I mean, sometimes I see other kids, whether it's cousins, nieces and nephews, whatever. Um, and, they're, and their kids are just like, you know, I'm like, wow, I can see them, you know, being whatever, right? And I'm like, hey, I feel way more pressure to make sure my kids are on it to be the best, be respectful, you know, whatever it is, just because they're an example of us. And um, if we're not doing our part as as parents, and in this case, as fathers, I feel like we basically failed them. So I do feel a lot of pressure in that sense because we're creating the next generation uh, to like lead us, lead our nation or our people, at least our community. So I want to, you know, with, um, you know, we have a first black woman president, I mean, um, vice president now, who knows, you know, like we could be raising the next, you know, black woman president. So I just want to be able to do our part for, you know, and make sure we're in good hands, you know, going forward, our country or our community, I would say, who cares about the country. (laughs) (laughs) That is is super important to keep in mind. like my daughter loves attention for woman. She loves performing. She likes, mm. oh, daddy, this is me singing. I'm going to sing this song. I'm going to do this dance. And mm. sometimes it's mind blowing to think that like these moments that I'm witnessing right now, you know, uh, one day Tina Knowles used to be sitting in her living room watching her daughter yeah. do that. And it's like, wow, like, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that for now, but you have to think like, we don't know what we we know that we're cultivating something. But we don't know just where it's gonna grow, where this plant's gonna grow, where this tree. We you know we see the roots, but we don't know where this this tree is really gonna grow. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed with my daughter is, um, and kind of going back to what we said, how we were raised and things like that. And there's so many times where she she'll ask me something, why? And I'm like, instantly I'm like, well because I said so. No because because I said mm-hmm. so. Then I have to catch myself and I'm like, okay. I, I can give her more than just saying because mm-hmm. I said so. So I'll, I'll explain it to her. Mm-hmm. And then in that explanation, I also give her space to respond. So no, you can't just talk back or be disrespectful. But if you have a concern about something, like, why do you think you shouldn't go to bed right now? Oh, daddy, mm-hmm. because this, this, this. Now, is this something we can we can work with? Or is this just, it, it, it still might be a rigid no, but at least right. I've given her the space to to voice her opinion. And yeah. And thinking about stuff like that, like Lamar said, I might be, I'm, you know, I'm teaching her to, to use her voice, utilize her voice, and don't always just accept what's told to you, what's given to you. Who knows? Mm-hmm. She she might be this, this this next vice president, next president, because I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, Kamala Harris, at some point, somebody taught her, speak out on what you believe, speak out. Yep. And she, she wasn't yep. silenced, or maybe somebody did try to silence her, and she, you know, through herself, learned to, to utilize her voice. So... Um, keeping those things in mind. And like I said, when we're talking about tools, trying to forecast, like, what am I doing right now? How does this affect my child t- 10, 20 years down the line? Um, and like you said, April, mm-hmm. this doctor, April, excuse me, 
it's <laughs> it's it's so many things like it's it's amazing it's yeah y'all give I me mean, like it, well yes. well it's funny though because i mean I, I just looked at the time and i'm thinking like we obviously i could just tell with josh like i know like we could talk for hours about our kids right so i think that's where the success comes in um with our podcast when we talk to celebrities and they just get on there and talk for hours like they say they'll talk they usually block off like 30 minutes but they end up talking for an hour and a half to two hours every time because it's almost like you just opened up this whole box of like when you ask a man how was it to be a dad and we like hey nobody ever asked look man my <laughs> so i could just tell with him like we could just talk we could do this all day and um so i you know i could feel the same emotions like we I could just go down the rabbit hole and get way away from the questions you have and things like that, but it's it's deep, man. And I, and obviously we love it. It's pat we're passionate about being dad. So um, this is I'm just happy to be here. I love talking about my kids. So. Yeah. And I just hope That's everybody's awesome. hearing this That's passion. Awesome. Like you know, this is mm-hmm. this is why I did this. And in my head, because I interview so many people about fatherhood and all that stuff, I'm thinking like everyone knows this, but I'm like, wow, no one does know. Like. Yeah. Black men love talking about their kids. Like black men, they just sit and go on and on and on and on and on and ramble around the circles and circles and circles of all the things that they dream about and aspire. Um, and I'm biased because I'm a daddy's girl. So like it's it's just, it's a whole little secret thing of um daddies <laughs> and daughters, you know, like that's that's that whole mm-hmm. little love. Um just to give attention to what you were talking about, Josh, like incredible work. You know, it, that's that's incredible work as a father to, um, in those moments, have the emotional intelligence to reframe, um, because mm-hmm. I know that there's some people that maybe listen to this as cringing. It's like, oh, that's white people stuff. You know, we, we have these <laughs> things of like, you tell her that she can explain why she's talking back, but what people don't realize, um, you know, in child development and psychology, two to five years old and maybe even younger than that are like the most critical time of a child's life. That's where they learn what they like, their confidence, their esteem, what they're able to do, how they're able to present themselves to the world. They think it's when they're teenagers, but it's not, it's one to four years old. And so if you are silencing your child and giving, and I'm, this is not parent shaming. I promise it's not. It's what we were taught genera- generationally. There we go. Because I, you know, I was always told, because I told you so. Um, and it's more so of this feeling of respect. Like, you, why are you disrespecting me? And so now we're trying to disconnect and detach respect from context. I'm just trying to get context. I don't want to disrespect you. And so when you allow that space of, I respect what you're saying. I just want to understand your context of why you have required this of me. That helps with sexual assault. That helps with relationships that are unhealthy for them. That helps with job interactions. People who are, and this is men and women who are not stick up for themselves in jobs, who are not stick up for themselves in relationships, who, are not be, who do not feel like they have the capacity to stick up for themselves in, in assault situations. If someone is telling me to do something and I don't have the space to allow the context to either advocate for myself or get more context on what's going on because I've been taught that by my parent, 
that does transfer into other situations. So to know that you have taught her, yes, make sure someone is giving you context as to what they're doing. Their answer may not change, but always ask for context. Always make sure they allow you room to say your piece about something. That, that's an incredible jewel that's going to take her and it's going to protect her in a lot of situations. So that I just, I just want to point that out because I think that's something that we don't, we take for granted in parenting. Can I give yeah, another example? Absolutely. Oh, my bad. No, you good. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm definitely going to use that because I haven't got into that with my oldest. So she, they both need to, you know, know. Yeah, they, boys. It's, it's amazing because like, let's say, and this example may give a, this, this is a little bit lower level of an example, but um, with my daughter, I'm, or in my life, I'm time schedules, blocks. I like to, mm-hmm. you know, like bedtime is seven o'clock. We start getting ready for bed, you know. So you in bed by 7.30, no questions asked, blah, blah, blah. And one time she was seven o'clock hit. I'm like, hey, time for bed. Start shutting down everything, blah, blah, blah. Make sure everything's put away, blah, blah, blah. And she was kind of throwing a fit like she was trying to watch TV, trying to watch TV. And I'm like, Corey, you know, at seven o'clock, everything stops. And right. she, thankfully, I'm actually like, why, you know, why are you so upset? And she's like, daddy, I just wanted to finish watching my show. And I'm like, Corey. It's seven o'clock, it's bedtime, the show is off. Like, you're not about to start a new show, blah, blah, blah. And it took me experiencing some humility, grabbing that mm-hmm. remote, and I touched the remote, and I'm like, oh, this show does have 10 more minutes left. Like, I, I thought it ended at seven, but for whatever reason, it's, it's going past seven. And then mm-hmm. I, I had to think, like, you know, if I was watching a basketball game, and the game went into mm-hmm. overtime, and somebody came right. and snatched that remote and turned, I would be <laughs> pissed off. Like, right, right. <laughs> I would be right. pissed. And especially if they didn't give me any reason, just games right. off, no questions asked. So I'm like, wow, um, it's so many things we experience as adults that we forget mm-hmm. that there's, there's little ones going through these same things. They don't understand it the same way or experience the same mm-hmm. way, but it's, it's the, the same thing, you know. So yeah. I try to think about things that I experienced that I don't like or that I would like done differently and then try to kind of apply that to, you know, my, my fatherhood. And um, with something like asking questions, um, like I said, it still might be a rigid no, but I'm explaining to you why no, you can't have a sucker before you go to bed. Like, right. you know, it's not just no, go get in the bed. It's well, no, Corey, because you're about to go to bed. I don't want that sugar sitting on your teeth because this might be a consequence of that action, blah, blah, blah. But right. I, I found that I think she understands my nose more when there's some reasoning behind it, or even if it's yeah. a yes. You know, they just understand it more. Sometimes I even, even if I'm telling her, yes, I give her an explanation. So, you know, Corey, mm-hmm. you know what? You, you did eat this, blah, blah, blah. We do have a late start tomorrow. So I'm going to let you stay up a little bit later than bedtime. But just understand this isn't the normal. So tomorrow bedtime is going to be the same time or whatever the case may be. But right. tonight I'm going to extend this 10 minutes, you know. And mm-hmm. I think finding that, that balance and I, I know that she appreciates it. And, of course, like she'll say, like, oh, thanks, Daddy just because she wants to finish this show or whatever the case may be. But I think she understands more like, thank you for being flexible in my needs and wants or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang, dad of the year. Like, wow, that, that's incredible. Like, I mean, and it's, again, it's just, it gives context to the humility and the empathy. Like that, I guess that's the next, I'm just telling y'all the tools to answer the question earlier, that empathy that you have of like, Okay, because I say this all the time. Y'all forget that we were kids too, you know, like, and we forget Mm -hmm. that kids go through the same thing that adults go through. 
when I don't, when you say, well, I just don't want you playing outside today. Like, I don't know why, but how would we feel if we weren't able to see our friends or our close loved ones or, or text our homeboys or whatever for a we going crazy now. We going crazy right now. So imagine if we told a kid that and a kid needs hyperactivity to help their brain and everything, you know, so just for you to be aware of, okay, let me stop and see the whole situation. Oh, wow. The show went over. I didn't realize it versus like, she's just disrespecting me. I don't like this. I'm cutting the TV off. You know, it's like you're, you went out of, let me get out of my la la land and go into wait a minute, where is she at? Why is she doing what she's doing? I think that's, that's an important thing, which again, is sometimes hard because when we have these top three things that parenthood's supposed to be, they're supposed to respect me. They're supposed to fear me. And you know, like we, you know, we go through the list and it's like, okay, we run through those things. We miss out on a lot of relationship and a lot of connection. Um, and we live yeah. out on a lot of opportunities to build trust with them. Cause now I don't trust you because one, you're not consistent. Cause sometimes you say I can stay up late and sometimes say I can't, but I have no reasons why. So I don't know when it's right, come. Right. That's trauma. Um, people don't realize, but that is trauma because you're, you're teaching me a pattern and a condition based off no context. Um, you know, I can't build trust with you because you didn't take time to understand my life, my experiences. And yes, I'm a child, but I still have my life and my experiences. So growing up, no, I'll never tell you about something terrible that's happened to me because you won't understand my life and my experiences. And so I think that, you know, you're building mm -hmm. that incredible rapport of that's how, that's how you, one, protect her. That's true protection. And two, that's how you build a true relationship with your daughter. That's so and Lamar, Lamar, I don't know if you're, you're experiencing this, but what I'm going through currently is uh, kind of understanding more where my daughter is cognitively. So like from dad thinking about a kid, she's just a little five-year-old girl. Like, you don't understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then I'm starting to think back to when I was five and how much I understood when I was five. And I'm like, I, I mean, I was mind blown because yeah. I, I have been babying her in so many ways. And I'm like, oh, when oh, I was yeah. five, I... I knew yeah. what was going on. I knew, like, you know. So. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it was like, a lot of, I mean, I guess certain instances, like, um, she just started, like, chores, and she's nine, my oldest, and, you know, my wife is just like, hey, like, you know, my wife isn't, my oldest is not her mom, so I'm just like, nah, she don't need to clean up. Like, I'm just, but I was thinking, like you said, when I thought back to when I was six and seven, and I was, I had chores at my house, and so, it's just those things where, like, they can do it, but I'm, we're, like, super protective of them. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, just trying to remember back to the fact that they're not, they not really those little bitty babies. Like, we, we are, like, grooming human beings, like, adults. So we got to get them ready. But, yeah, I'll be going through the same thing. Yeah, that's um, – I was watching – I was on a Red Table Talk binge last night, and I was watching one with Renee Brown. <laughs> something she said was just so compelling is um, we protect, we don't get, allow our kids enough adversity or moments of building adversity, but we expose them to too much trauma. And we think like, yeah, it was like, I was like, Whoa. 
<laughs> because it was true of like, we think we're protecting them because we protect them from hard things. I was like, no, I don't want you to do chores or no, mm -hmm. I don't want you. My dad, he wouldn't let me, literally would not let me fall. Like I couldn't fall off any, if I was starting to fall, he would catch me. So now I'm just mm -hmm. clumsy because I never learned how to fall and get up. Yeah. So, um, so we protect them to, from adversity, but they're too exposed to trauma. And I was just like, wow, the fact that there's a difference and that we don't realize that difference. Um, and so, you know, figuring out how do I build resiliency, you know, not traumatizing them to call it fake grit, but how do I build resiliency in my child to build that adversity and that sense of adversity? I'm like, wow, that there, where's the book? Where's the book That's on good. that one? Because, you know, that, that, that those are two different things and we don't know that. Um, so a question I want to get to, and we can start off with Lamar since Josh has given us so many great <laughs> examples of father of the year awards. Um, how do you, and this is something I'm passionate about, of course, it's always a controversial topic, but this is what we need to go. Um, how do you think women contribute to the view of black fatherhood? And, you know, maybe you can talk about your specific experiences or just in general, how do you think black women in the community contribute to, and of course, by the way, we know it's not everybody. So for everybody, yeah. there, but <laughs> what instances have yeah. we seen that specifically women do contribute to this perception of black fatherhood? Um, I think they play, I feel like they play a huge role. If they feel like they play the most important role, right? Um, because I mean, for one, um, growing up I, I am realizing from like certain when I talk to my friends or people that I know from the past about like hey you know your dad what's your relationship like because this is the type of conversations I have nowadays but I'm asking everybody and they're like yeah you know my dad wasn't there so now my next question is like you know do you ever talk to your mom like what what did your dad do like what was the reason and like that they didn't stay together or whatever why did he leave and I'm finding out a lot of them is oh my mom like in my situation my mom is like I didn't like him. He was too soft. Like, I, I didn't want to, I could just run over him. I couldn't see myself being with him. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's your fault, basically. Um, wow. But, <laughs> so, no, I had that. That's how I felt for a long time. Um, but, so I, I said they play a huge role because, I mean, that, from that side, right? But I think, too, like, now we have social media and I just feel like, you know, it, it's just, it's a trickle down effect. Like someone could be, a mom could be going through something with her child's father and then soon she get on Facebook, she can read <clears> some <throat> classmate, cousin, whoever say, hey, my baby dad is a deadbeat. He don't do nothing for my kids. Look at the comments. Yeah, girl, my, my baby dad ain't either. So like they're leading the way with this, right? Um, and I feel like that's a huge thing because that's our community, right? They, um, whether um, a black mom with, her kid and doing the same thing she may not even be going through those same uh, issues but when she sees that she's like niggas ain't ish right she see that and just keep going but it's just this in their in their mind and that's why i say even like the narrative of black men I, i'm more focused on changing the narrative in our community um on black fatherhood versus like what other you know people think of us as black people because they, they don't know us. They, you know, there's nothing they can do. Like, they, they don't live our life. They don't walk in our shoes. So I feel like just um, changing that narrative to where women are like, yo, black dad, our dad, like black men are a good dad, right? And once that changes, I think that'll help a lot for our community. That's where I see it. 
definitely, definitely good points. Um, and kind of like, like he was saying, uh, we have to also understand that fathers, we have our own experiences, our kids have experiences, and also mm-hmm. black women and mothers have their own experiences as well, um, whether it be when they were uh, prior to them being mothers or while they've been mothers, and also they have those right. experiences with whoever the, the dad is or whatever father. Um, so keeping that in mind, understand that I tell people like experience your experience. So like Lamar said, just because somebody else experienced it doesn't mean it has to become your mindset or your viewpoint. Um, my cousin has this, this quote that he loves to say, you know, feelings ain't facts. Opinions ain't facts. Just because somebody feels like that doesn't mean it's facts. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, um, to that, I, black women can't be censored. Um, I try not to censor their viewpoint or their narrative because that is their narrative. That's how they feel. So because it's not how I feel doesn't mean that that's not their experience or their narrative. So there are some people who have those bad experiences. And like you say, niggas ain't ish. Boom. That's how you Mm -hmm. feel. I understand that. I would love to help change that if I can or, you know, unpack that like they say or break it down so we can resolve that. But if that's what you've Mm -hmm. experienced, that's how you feel. Who am I to, to take away from that? Um, and then it's also those amazing narratives. And I think we're seeing them more and more, like you said, um, in media of people saying like, you know, my husband is amazing or my child's father is amazing. I, he does a great job. I love him, blah, blah, blah. And I think there's currently there's a, a big pride in that in sharing, um, specifically in the black community. We we want to show all these these positive things of the black community. And I think it, I think it's great. It's amazing. Um I also think that the the black woman is like imperative in the the strengthening of of black men, like so, mm-hmm. and black father. So black motherhood or motherhood in general, there's a strength and that that just comes into into women. Like it's something inside of you that that light switch comes on, and to radiate that light into a man, I think is very helpful in um, mm-hmm. both helping to shape or strengthen who he is. And also to, to change that narrative because you've changed, you know, you uh, I don't want to say changed who someone is, but um, you've helped someone grow into something more and, you know, that'll reach out to different areas. That's a great point, though, because I think like, you know, I didn't think about that. But, yeah, for the women, um, especially for, for guys who didn't have dads growing up, I think if, you know, women are just like appreciative of it like whether it's your most like for me and my wife she's telling me like hey you're a good dad right my sister you're a good dad um it just you know we you know we we walking taller right we feel better about it so um and now we're gonna try to protect that and we want to just continue to be the best right so i think they like you said that's very important that they do uplift us and kind of keep i mean obviously if we're doing a good job don't just be lying but yeah, I agree. And I'm I'm sure you see it with the with the like the Instagram or social media pages. So many times, women will share images with me, like, "Hey, this is my mm-hmm. husband and our kid." Yeah. Like, I can you post this for me? Like, you know, I just want to say this, and I'm like, absolutely, like show them off, show them off to the world because they they love it. And like you say, when people told me I was good at basketball, guess what I was doing the next day, dribbling the basketball because now, hey, y'all can see what I can do, right? You know, so like you say, yeah. "Hey, you a good dad?" Like, yeah, look at look look at my baby, let's. Like yeah. like you said earlier, right. black men love to love to show off, you know, that mm-hmm. that, that aspect of themselves of being a father. 
Yeah, and I, um, in the article I just released yesterday on the platform, the person said um, what he learned, like with his Black boys and men, is words of affirmation and physical touch are actually the top two most common love languages from Black men, uh, but always the least used in the pop in the population. Um, and so, you know, words of affirmation are important. I think that's important mm-hmm. of when you see those narratives and it's not babying anybody, it's not, um, I don't know. I I think I hear a lot of times of like, you know, I'm not going to raise a man. I'm not going to baby him. I'm not going to tell him what he should Mm -hmm. already know. I'm not going to praise him for he should already be doing, but sometimes that does help. You know, when you know you look good, but somebody tell you you look good, you're like, like now I look really good, you know? So it's that same feeling of like, because of how important fatherhood is to a black man, when you're saying, Hey, I just want to tell you, you're doing great at this. You're like, Oh my gosh, what? Thank God. Oh my goodness. Like now you feel even greater than great. Um, And I always, you know, I'm always excited to see that there's so many more. I mean, I think this is just what black women do, but there's some that are just tarnishing us as the great black women we are, you know, that are happy to share how great co-parenting is going or share how excellent their the father of their child is um how you know all those different things i'm i love seeing that um and knowing that there are people out there are women out there who do support and see good black fatherhood and there's still some that um i think Josh, you brought up a good point about there are a lot of things in our past experiences that sometimes just literally prohibit us. I'm saying us as people who may not be comfortable with the relationship with the father of their child or may not be able to see that positivity and then may not have anything to do with the father, may have to do with some other experiences they've had in their lives um, and figuring out how to work through those. Um, And so that's something I'm always passionate about is like, I'm not here to bring men, black men up and bash black women down. I'm here to lift us all up as a community together. Of like, absolutely. how can we absolutely celebrate each other to the fullest extent um, in all the great stuff that we're doing and acknowledge how difficult and treacherous it is to become a father as a black man, you know, um, to, mm-hmm. like you said, let go of the things that you learned and the things that you are dealing with in society um, and then simultaneously raising a person, you know, and yeah. um, kind of shielding them from some of those things, but also showing them in the way that you feel like they would understand, but not scare them. You know, I think the empathy towards that process is deserved. Mm-hmm. Man, okay. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I have so many more questions, but we will he- be here all night. It's just, you guys said so many great things. But I do have two last questions because I'm corny and it's going to be based off y'all's platform. So the first one is the one that I asked to a lot of men. Um, If you were to write a letter to your father and start with dear, whatever you call him, um, whichever father you prefer, if you have more than one, um, what would that letter, what would that letter sound like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you're not going to be on a nectar podcast and not get a little raw and honeyish up in here um lamar you mind if i go first yeah go ahead man, I, don't I'm know. Out before, before I, start. <laughs> I don't want to start crying um hey, you can cry hey you oh. emotional expression is allowed in this space that's true that's true i will support um, you mine would say uh you know dear daddy i miss you 
tremendously. Um, I continuously miss you. I am thankful for um, the time I had with you here. Uh, I'm thankful for the experience and the impact that you um, you left on my life. I am doing my best to to make you proud. Um, uh, I'm continuing in a lot of stuff that I've learned from you. Uh, I, again, I thank you. I thank you for the the message that you left me before you left. Um, I'm doing my best to protect my my mother and my family. Um, and um, who I um I am a father now, as you hopefully see. Um, I pray that God allows you. Um, in whatever heavenly space you're in to see what I'm doing in my life and in the, the life of others. Uh, and I love you and I miss you. To my stepdad, I thank you for stepping up in the, the place that you did in that difficult place. Um, I thank you for being flexible in my life and my mom's life and my sibling's life. Um, because as an adult, I understand how difficult that space could have been to navigate. Um, you did a great job. You are continuing to do a great job. Um, I'm glad that you're still here with us, and I hope that I'm making you proud as well as a man. Mm. That was good. That was, oh, oh, my, my throat's lumping. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That is so beautiful. And I, I see the reflection of everything that your dad has given you, for sure. It's beautiful. You probably should let me go first as a... No, I think it'll be nothing like that. Um, no, <laughs> I would just say, no, I would just say, um, their, their dad, their father. Um, I guess really, I, I really just wanted to say, their father. Like I understand, I get, um, you know, you did your best, and um, you know, you only know what what you knew, and I can tell that, you know even from as little as that, you know, you do or that, that you have done in the past, uh, I realized that was, you gave all that you had and that you knew. So um, I appreciate that. Valid. That was... That's, that's the, the, a lot of forgiveness and the empathy that you talked about again. That's, that was a ton yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm only here like in the last year. That's kind of where I, I had to get to this place because if you asked me last year, I probably would have like, dear father, I'm at, I'll leave that off air, but it would have just been so, <laughs> just been censored. <laughs> you know, yeah. it would have just been censored. So, no, it's learned. Yeah, I learned a lot in the last year. So, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I always hear y'all ask that question to people on the podcast and even with you, um, with your interviews. And I never, I honestly have never thought about like what I would say. So, that was kind of, that definitely caught me off guard. I never thought about that question either. As many times I've asked it, I'm like, <laughs> so but that's beautiful to know, you know, Dear Fathers has been around for a year and to know in that year, the stories, the experiences, the interactions mm -hmm. with others have healed you, you know, and that's, that's beautiful mm -hmm. that you do this work, you know, because we, we don't realize like it's everything, you know, for those who are spiritual, like I am, you know, God brings us certain stuff for certain reasons of like, dang, sometimes I need that to come full circle to heal me too. Um, and that's, that's beautiful. That's really, really, so I'm proud of you for saying that. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, I guess the situation is unfortunate 
but it's awesome that you were, like you're saying, this past year, you're able to grow um, and, and kind of heal from that. And like Dr. April said, like, look at the work you and dear fathers have done in this past year based off that experience. Like you said, you know, that experience in your past is kind of what pushed you all to, to start this organization right. and the the mm -hmm. impact that you have on the com community on so many fathers just from that mm -hmm. experience. Like, so it's, again, yeah. it's unfortunate, but a, a rose grew from that concrete for lack of a better word, but that's, you know, it that's all awesome. real chills all over again of like yeah. look how many souls you've touched look how many fathers you've made feel comfortable look how many right. families you've pulled together look you know look how many how many people you've opened a mental health talk about you know just because of you you mm -hmm. as a vessel yeah. i'm not here to preach today but you know like that's <laughs> that's true right. like we can't, we can't undermine how our traumas become our treasures um okay. and so is I told you I won't go preach today, <laughs> but it's that true. Um, yeah. They really do of like, it, it hurts, but not only are we healing ourselves, that's how good God is. Like we're not only healing ourselves, but he's also healing every, all these people. How many y'all mm -hmm. have 18K now? 18,000 people around plus 20,000 plus engagement seeing right. positive black energy that's now going to be carried on into the future generations oh I'm, I'm trying not to cry okay right. Woo! Emotion, yeah, right. emotions are welcomed that's okay here we go <laughs> but I, I i just i feel this because again being raised by my dad and seeing the things that a lot of my close friends go through, whether it's like trying to be in their child's life, trying to be a good father, trying to jump over the hurdles of co-parenting and marriage and all those things. Um, it's good to see the energy and the power and the aura and the spirit of the, in the beauty of black fatherhood. And I, I just feel it. And I pray that every person that's listening feels that too. And just turn to a black father and say, thank you because they are, they are the like, foundation of the us okay i'm done i'm done okay the second question of course has come from the other platform what makes you a dope dad uh i i, I mean uh, can i answer this first because uh, you probably gotta you probably answered it before i don't know but um <laughs> mine is kind of weird because i i don't really look at myself as that like a dope dad or like the best dad or whatever i just do you know, what I, you know, my best. And so I kind of leave that up to the people to decide or even just my kids. Most importantly, that's the, that's the opinion that I, that matters the most. And I always say like, even my youngest, she's two and she'll come in and say, when I come home, dad, you're the best. And I was just like, I ain't even did nothing. Right. I just came home. But I, I say this because when I really started to reflect on, Dang, was my dad a good dad or whatever? Like whatever is around my twenties, like twenty-five to thirty. So I'm like, hey, once they whatever the verdict is, once they twenty-five, then I'll be like, oh, okay, yep, I did good. <laughs> so yeah, I can come back and ask you in, a, in quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, so like that's when I'm gonna be like, yeah, I did a good job because I can, you know, I, I just look at it like this, like with my mom. Like I, my mom did an amazing job in my opinion, but. To her, she's like, I did the best job I did. And I just be like, wait, man, like, you know, we could have did better, right? I'm thinking in my head. So it's like, it's like I, I want to like just hear from my kids at that time once they older and adults and be like, okay, I'm equipped. I have everything I need. And so, um, I, but I do, I feel like I can just give my perspective on what 
I feel like makes me cool is that I'm just super laid back and the kids do whatever they want when they're with me. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, hanging from a chandelier right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and they appreciate it, right? Like, yeah, give them candy. So, eating handfuls of sugar, right? Yeah. Literal sugar, yeah. like just putting brown sugar in their mouth. Oh, giving no. it to them on the low, like you know. Um, but I think that's the thing, right? I mean, I'm raising my kids with my wife, so um, I think that's. That's super unappreciated appreciate, uh, that, like, you have a two-family household because, you know, I don't have to bear every, like, everything that she's being taught, like, that, that they're being taught doesn't have to just come from me. Um, and, and I can just get her advice, like, hey, what should I, you know, what, what should I say? And my wife, she was raised by her mom and dad, so I, hey, what would your, your dad say to you? Like, you know, like, what it, you know, so I kind of get the pick from that. So I really appreciate my wife and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lamar, you are a dope dad. You're doing great. Keep Thank up you. the work. Um, yeah. uh, what makes me a dope dad? I'm piggybacking right off of what he just said. Um, I think what makes me a dope dad are the the things that I do, um, both I guess intentionally and unintentionally, that cause me to leave those impressions on you know, my baby girl and also others around who see us that they see, oh, he's a, he's a great father. He's a, he's, he's a dope dad. Um, so like I say, all the things we talk about in this conversation, all the things we didn't talk about, or just those little things that, that we may do that I don't even know that it's like really leaving an impression. But like he says, as long as my baby girl looks at me and says mm-hmm. that, you know, my daddy was everything I needed him to be, everything I wanted him to be. And my daddy was dope. I'm content with that. Um, yeah. It's great for the, others around us to see those things as well so i would say that's what makes me a dope dad plus this hoodie i got on yeah for real because <laughs> <laughs> you got a jersey i've been meaning to ask you about that i gotta those go in jerseys jersey. are dope those, that, those are yeah, truly dope. dope like let me know i got you week, all the time all right, I'm gonna hit you. Yeah, dang dang y'all well thank you thank you thank you sure. not just for being here thank but you. for who you are for what you're doing, for being a dope dad, dope fathers, um, for your humility, your growth, um, your love, your dedication to the community and to debunking narratives, you know, that's vulnerable to put your story out there, um, put yourself out there as a, as a vessel to give positivity to everyone else. Like, that's beautiful. That's incredible. Um, and we're so glad that you're doing it. For everyone who's listening, do not be crazy. And don't follow dear fathers and dope dad. Like you have to, you can't, there's, you're going to be missing out on a bunch of amazing, amazing, amazing things. Please go to Instagram right in this moment and follow at dear fathers and then go father, follow at dope dad. Um, incredible. underscore dope dad. Why you got to underscore somebody else dope dad? Yeah. And it's an inactive page. It, it made me really upset, but. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, y'all. Underscore dope dad. It will be in the show notes anyways with the underscore. So glad I know that. Um, we have the. You we know, we got a dear dot. Yeah, we had to do the dear dot fathers because. Um, y'all got a dot in my head. <laughs> I just typed it straight through. Okay, so y'all see it in the show notes. Y'all know exactly what I'm looking for. Nonetheless, when you see 
some black men with either orange <laughs> shirt on or red, blue, white, whatever shirt on. <laughs> you know what we're looking for. We are looking for Lamar or we are looking for Josh, okay? Well, actually, mm-hmm. you see more community than either one of them, but that's how you know what type of work they're doing. Um, yeah. Any last words, my gentlemen, before I let you go? Uh, oh, I'm, no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying this now. Me and Josh, we don't, we're not related, or at least we don't know yet. Um, so we're going to have to figure that out for you. <laughs> but, no, uh, I appreciate it, April. Um, Dang know, it, y'all do have the same last name. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all definitely yeah. doesn't. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe. Um, and I appreciate, you know, having us on and uh, appreciate everything you do. So keep killing it. I ain't doing nothing. Thank you. Lamar, Jesse, dear Fowler's family, it's always a pleasure working with y'all. Dr. April, thank you again for um, the invitation, uh, for working with you in whatever capacity that we work together. Um, You're awesome. The work you do is awesome. Um, Everybody who's watching, make sure y'all check out, again, check out Dear Fathers, check out Dope Dad, check out Dr. April, Raw Honey, everything. Um, I appreciate y'all listening for everybody, especially if you made it this far. Um, and I look forward to work with John. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Nectar Podcast. For more information about the Raw Honey platform, visit our website at www.rawhoneypf.com and subscribe to The Hive so that you can keep up with all of our latest buzz. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at Raw Honey Platform, on Instagram at Raw Honey underscore PF, and on Twitter at Raw Honey PF. You can also send an email to tell me your thoughts about today's episode, questions about the platform, or if you just want to say hi. You can reach us at rawhoneywc at gmail.com. And finally, always remember that nectar endures a process. So in this time, continue to practice our raw wellness tips included in the show notes so that you can become the healthiest honey possible. Most of all, buzzers, believe in